We've come now to Ephesians 1 and verses 13 and 14. We started out noting the blessings from the Father in our salvation. We followed that up in our study last week, noting the blessings from the Son. And now, what is the longest sentence in the Greek New Testament from, from, chap, from uh, verses 3 to 14? The sentence comes to an end, and we're going to study the last part, verses 13 and 14. Blessings from the Holy Spirit. How our great God is so active in the eternal salvation of his own. Blessings from the Holy Spirit. Salvation does not come by the will of man. It comes by the will of God. John chapter 1, we read, He came to his own, his own received him not, but as many as received him to them, he gave authority to be children of God. Not according to blood, nor by the will of the flesh, nor by the will of man, but born by the will of God. The profound truth of our eternal salvation, which is something we will continue to study and think upon into the ages of the ages, is a primary subject here in Paul's letter to the Ephesians. Now, with that in mind, let's start and begin with verse 13, and let's just look at it. In whom also you having heard the truth. Now, we're coming out of the verses that spoke of our blessings in the Son of God. We have redemption in His blood and forgiveness of sins. In whom also you having heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also having believed, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. Let me stop there. Boy, there's a lot in that part of this sentence. Having heard the word of truth, hearing. Hearing cries out for proclamation. It is a privilege for the people of God to proclaim the truth of God. It's a privilege. It is an honor. It is a commission that is bestowed upon the people of God and nobody else has that commission. Unsaved, unregenerate people cannot teach nor can they proclaim the Word of God. Because the Word of God is alive and it bears, it bears witness with the regenerate spirit, those who are born again. Those who are dead in trespass and sin have no understanding. It doesn't speak to them. 
Not until God gives them a spiritual resurrection of the gift from God that who, as according to Peter, causes them to be born again, unless and until that happens, the word of God is meaningless. So for us to have this commission humbles us in recognizing the great privilege that is ours in proclaiming the gospel. Because, and I, I've seen it over the 40-something years that I've been preaching. Across time, I've been invited to speak to people, and I didn't know who they were. Maybe they were, maybe it was an assembly of young people, an assembly of young married people, sometimes elderly people in a nursing home. I didn't know who they were. But I have personally witnessed the power of the Holy Spirit of God work according to the will, purpose, and plan of Almighty God. So I'm told as I come before a group of people, oh, there are dozens of people here who are unsaved, brother, and they need to hear the gospel. The gospel is very simple and plain. And so to the best of my ability, I would proclaim the gospel. Many times, some of those people were saved. Not all of them. Not all of those who were counted among the unbelievers, but some of them were. They all had the same mental capacity. They all heard the same thing. They all spoke the same language. They were all in the same room. How is it then that among the unbelievers, some would be saved and many others would not? It's a miracle of God. It is all of God. So when you see this word, having heard, akousentis, Greek word, it means having heard and received with understanding. In other words, it came right through. It came right through. It didn't, it didn't, it's, it's not like I am when I am in a recliner and Pat is talking to me. <laughs> is that the truth? See, okay. Until she says something profound or slaps me or throws something at me or whatever. Usually she, you know, let me tell you this. We have an apple box. And the magic card is about the size of a thick business card. And if you have that little thing, you're in control. You're absolutely in control. Doesn't matter what the other guy wants. You get to watch what you want to watch. Right? So the times that I hear are those times when she finally grants me the privilege of holding that little thing. I hear that. Now, if I'm holding it and she's over here talking about what she wants to say, I don't hear that. Now, therein is a Greek lesson. A Greek New Testament lesson. Jesus says at the end of the book, he who has an ear, parentheses, to hear. Let him hear. If you don't have an ear to hear, you're not going to hear it. But the beauty is, 
It is written here in this line that there will always be those until the end of the times of the Gentiles and the fullness of the times of the nations has come in until that time. And we're not there yet because we're still here. We haven't been caught up. Until that time, there are always those who will hear with a view to receive. So this presupposes the proclamation and it's all the, of, the, of the word, a preaching, a teaching, a proclamation of the word. It's the word of truth. We live in what an age of delusion. People should never let other people think for, them, for themselves. I asked the question on Facebook the other day. I watched this vice presidential debate. I have my idea about who seemed to be the superior one on the stage. Why do I need anybody else to tell me what I've already decided for myself? Right? We have to be thinkers. Thinkers for ourselves. Christians have the Holy Spirit of God. And we know how to apply the litmus test to everything that is said. And the litmus test comes from the word of truth. Yes, there is absolute truth. And it is the blessed, holy, precious word of God. The Bible tells us in the Old Testament, the prophet says, all men are liars. I'm included in that. We can lie and not even know that we're lying. We don't have absolute omniscience and, and complete and absolute grasp of all things that are happening and have happened and will happen. We'll make a statement that we may think is true and be false. Listen, the Bible doesn't do that. It has stood every test. It is, it is here and even within Christendom, there are attempts to try to change it. It never works, but the attempt is made. So what are we to do? We're the ones who have received the word of truth, who have been commissioned and empowered by the Holy Spirit to proclaim the word of truth, knowing that God has told us by the work of his Holy Spirit today in this world, as the Holy Spirit works through the church, there will always be those who will hear with an open heart and respond. And that's the work of God. That's not the work, that's not the power of the message or the power of the messenger. It's not the decor of the sanctuary. It's not whatever. There's no setting or environment. It is all the Holy Spirit of God. Now God uses us in, in some simple and strange way as he sees fit, but it is all the work of God. And this is the great message of this long sentence. In whom also you, having heard, I would circle you and the next line, your. He is speaking to the believers in Ephesus. For the most part, they're Gentiles. They're not Jews. Having heard the word of truth. That's the Bible for you and me today. The gospel of your Salvation, the good news of your salvation. The whole, the Bible, 
it would be difficult in one in one sitting to sit down and read the Bible all the way through because you have physical limitation, limitations and you'll fall asleep. I'm only doing two verses and some people are already asleep, right? <laughs> I'll call on you to pray if you bob off, I'm telling you. But there is a plan that one can use. It's a beautiful book. It's a wonderful thing. It's the Word of God. It speaks to you. Read it again the second time. It'll speak to you in a different way. And that goes on and on and on and on and on in your life. The gospel of your salvation. The world is not going to tell you how sinful and depraved you are. How lost and helpless you are apart from the Savior. The world's not going to matter. In fact, the world today is doing just the opposite. It, the, world, the world today wants to what, demonize Jesus. Calling Christianity a hate thing. Because we dare stand up with all of the love in our hearts. Telling everybody we're proclaiming this to regardless of who they are. What kind of background they may have. We say, you know what? I have a gospel for you and I love you so much. I want you to believe it. And it won't bother me if you live right next door to me in heaven. That's, that's the gospel we have. But we want you to understand there's only one way to live forever. There's only one savior. Only one gospel. Only one way to be saved. The gospel of your salvation. There's no hate in that. That's love. Christians, by the thousands upon thousands in every generation, die at the hands of those whom they love so much as they try in their best way to proclaim the gospel to them around the world. Empowered by the Holy Spirit, in whom also you, having heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also having believed. The Bible teaches us. Did you know a, a, per, a dead? We're going to study that here one of these days in Ephesians. Dead in trespass and sin. Something dead cannot respond, cannot react, cannot, cannot do anything. The gift of regeneration comes from God. He causes us to be born again. It's in Peter. The Bible continues on and tells us that through this regeneration, repentance is a gift. Comes from God. I don't, I don't have the wherewithal to repent until God has awakened me to the horrible condition in which I exist whereby I am automatically humbled into repentance. And the next gift is the gift of faith. I can't have faith until God gives me the gift of faith. It's all of God, all of God. This is the great message that Paul is giving to the Ephesians here. In whom also having believed. You were in darkness, but a light shined. And the thing 
that flooded your existence, the essence of your next move is to go for that light. You don't realize, you know what conceptual polarity is. You don't know what light is until you've been in total darkness. You couldn't, you couldn't understand. All you would know is darkness and, and so that's just the way it is. You would think until light shines. And now you understand darkness and the beauty of light. And so God then irresistibly draws us to himself. That light in whom also having believed. That's a gift. The son of God. You were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. This is, this is the gift of God to every believer, every Christian. The ancient way was that a, a ruler, a leader, someone of significance, especially a king, would have a signet of some kind and it was his it was his seal belonged to him and everything in that seal there came a time now you know I've been in I've been in martial arts since 1966 and across the decades I became the head of an organization that had a history and a genealogy that dates back to the 600s AD. And so the time came when I would be the one to seal a certificate, a black belt certificate. My seal is made of marble. It's about that tall. It's a, I guess that's a cube on a rectangle. And on the end is inscribed in a very ancient Asian language the story of who I am. Before I was granted the seal, I had to fill out a questionnaire. The history of my life before martial arts. The history of my life in martial arts. Everything about me, education, so forth. And somehow in all that stuff, they inscribed everything about who I am in that seal. Now, the seal comes with a special kind of ink called dra dragon's blood. It's pretty hard to extract blood from a dragon. That guy makes a lot of money. <clears throat> but according to what you want to do with it, if you want it to be thick like a wax, you don't put much water in it. But if you want it to be ink so that you can stamp a piece of paper or a certificate or something, you mix more water with it and then you touch it into that and then you press it upon the... Certificate that authenticates it. And in that thing is everything who I am. And it guarantees that whatever is said on that certificate is guaranteed by me. And I seal it. Now think of the Almighty. Heard. Believed. Sealed.
The seal authenticates a thing. It completes the transaction. That's it. And within the image of the seal is the story of everything about whoever it is that's making the seal. This is God. Believer, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. Now that's in that tense. It's irreversible. You won't be unsealed. You were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. God himself has essentially sealed me with the Holy Spirit of promise. I'm living in the promise right now. Some infinitely glorious day. Believers will be called out from among the dead and and caught up from among the living and we shall stand thus to be glorified. And now to live in a wonderful body eternally in the presence of God. Because God himself has sealed me with a promise today. And that promise will be fulfilled infallibly, infallibly, irrevocably, unalterably, irreversibly. What else can, what other adverb, what other thing can I say? Sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. Almighty God has revealed to us himself as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. To say that I could be unsealed is to say that God would tear away part of his existence. Well, of course, that's an asinine thought. That's an awful thing to think. He won't do that. He cannot do it. He has sealed me. And you who are in Christ, he has sealed you with the Holy Spirit of promise. And that seal is the essence of his existence, of who he is. And it won't ever be taken away. And further, though, the Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee, the earnest payment. Arabun. The earnest payment of our inheritance. God's not going to lose his earnest payment. He, it's him. God's not going to lose himself. He is the earnest payment of our inheritance. Joint heirs with Christ, what we will inherit cannot be presently described. We've seen the apostle, especially in our study of Revelation, he, in the best way he could, described the New Jerusalem. and Still couldn't go any further than just what he 
could say as he saw it. But the earnest payment of the Holy Spirit, who has also sealed me in the promise of my, of, of my eternal life, is the earnest payment of my inheritance. It'll never be lost to the redemption of the acquired possession. What does that mean? To the payment that was made for his people. Sealed me with the Holy Spirit of promise. Made the earnest payment with his Holy Spirit with himself. Thus guaranteeing our inheritance through his payment that we are his people. Acquired, there it is again. You can't change that. It's always there in the tense that it's given in. Now why? Why? To the praise of his glory. All I can ever do is praise God for the salvation that he has given to me. So let's summarize here. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. How did it start out when we started out up there around verse 3? God, here's what God says. I chose you before the foundation. of the, I chose you. I predestined you. I sent my son for you and by his blood you have been redeemed and through his mediation you have been forgiven forever. And now my Holy Spirit has sealed you and is given as the earnest payment so that you'll always know that I am backing the truth of your inheritance. Guaranteeing that the payment is real. And that you are my possession. You are my property forever. And so finally, the multitudes and myriads of those who are God's elect will stand in his presence. Some infinitely glorious day. And all we will be able to do is offer him praise and thanks and gratitude that we could stand in the presence of his glory that Christ the Savior even would in some special way share that with us in his presence to the praise of his glory I won't have anything with regard to salvation to boast about except for what the Lord has done. And it's summarized here in this long sentence. Chosen, predestined, redeemed by his blood, forgiven, sealed, and guaranteed that we are his possession, his property, to the praise of his glory. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? Jesus Christ is the Son of God.
And he came into this world to save sinners. Could it be that you came into this place without Christ and now God has awakened you, calls you and draws you to himself? In these present days, here's how we handle our invitation. First of all, to remind you of three great needs. Number one, your need for Christ to be saved. Number two, then, to be obedient to him. And to follow him in baptism, that's part of the Great Commission. And then to invite you to be a part of Shiloh. Become a member of our family. If any one, two, or all three of those things have come upon your heart now, as you exit the auditorium, deacons and their wives will be standing in a room just across the hall. You'll see them as you exit. If the Lord speaks to your heart about those things, you just step in and those people are prepared to pray with you and, and help you with anything you might need to know. Father in heaven, God, thank you for the day that you've given to us for your precious holy word, for the salvation that is ours in Christ Jesus. For the grace that has come upon us in his name. Something that we will inquire about forever. Thank you for all who have come today, O oh Lord. And for those who can't come out just now but are, are with us on the internet. Pray your blessings upon all. Keep us from harm. Guard us and protect us from the sicknesses that rage. I pray your blessings upon those who are sick that they might soon be delivered from that sickness and be made well. And I pray for our nation, O oh Lord, and our leaders. And I pray, God, as we enter into the time of the election, that you will bless, help, guide your people. Because we know that your will will be accomplished, whatever happens. Dismiss us in your love and care now. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. Thank you for being here today.